Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and Liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Oh, spooky, spooky, everyone. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land. I am recording this on All Hallows' Eve. Yes, that fun time after you've had all the fun that adults have the weekend before, uh, as I did. And uh, now you get to sit at home and uh, have little children come to your house. <laughs> Kevin Spacey style, some would say. Anyway, welcome to the show. This is Electric Liberty Land, episode number 44. That means that you can find all the show notes for today's episode at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL44. I also want to remind all of you newcomers to the show that you can find the archives for Electric Liberty Land at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL. Now then... Let's get into this show. Let's slip into it like my uh, my hot cider slips down my throat and into my belly, where it'll make me feel better, make me feel like I can get through life again, because I did, in fact, spike it with a little rum. So, uh, salute to all of you out there listening in the morning time. I'm going to spend this evening time recording, get a little bit tipsy. Now then, first things first, as you might have garnered from the headline slash title of this here pod... John McCain has been talking up a storm and doing uh, very John McCain-esque things. If John McCain was going out as a trick-or-treater today, dressed as himself, he would have surrounded himself in what would look like a glass house and then started throwing stones at all of the houses he was trick-or-treating at, which also would have been glass houses. Bringing to mind the old phrase, those who live in glass houses should not throw stones. Now, where the hell am I going with this? Well, I'll tell you. McCain recently gave the most McCainy speech ever at the Naval Academy because he was a former Navy pilot. And so addressing the Naval Academy, this is on Monday night, he urged people to, quote, fight against propaganda and crackpot conspiracy theories. And then went on to continue. We are asleep in our echo chambers where our views are always affirmed and information that contradicts them is always fake. We are asleep in our polarized politics, which exaggerates our differences, looks for scapegoats instead of answers, and insists we all get our way all the time from a system of government based on compromise, principled cooperation, and restraint. It's time to wake up. Now, what of course is hilarious about John McCain coming out and saying this is that John McCain has always been the guy that was considered to be before I completely hated John McCain anyway, was considered to be the guy that was like a little firebrand. He was always, still, he was the guy that would go against it. And he is so principled. He'd stand up for everything. I'm John McCain. People call me a maverick because while most of the time I'm here to conservative values and I'm a complete goddamn war hawk, sometimes I disagree. I'm a maverick. Pew, pew, pew. Like, seriously, this guy had a reputation as the quote unquote maverick in the Congress because he'd disagree with something once in a while. Meanwhile, he disagreed with it just, you know, based on the fact that he didn't like it. And now he's saying that we need to escape our echo chambers and start to consider other people's points of view. Right? Essentially what he's what he's getting out here. It's the only thing you really talk about when you talk about an echo chamber. So 
What's so ironic about this is that John McCain has been doing the exact same thing on foreign policy for how long? 20 years, maybe? And it becomes especially poignant this week because John McCain comes out and says this now. Meanwhile, just mere weeks before, Rand Paul was trying to put a cap on the authorization of use of military force, basically reining in the president's war powers and making sure that Congress has the say on whether or not we can go to war. Seems like a pretty logical thing, right? Well, not to old maverick John McCain, who's sticking to his guns and sticking to the establishment principle, which is basically, well, we can't change anything now because, you know, if we if we do that, the uh, the opponents we're fighting against the the ISISs of the world, ISIS, the Al Qaeda's of the world, well, they'd think that we were quitters, and damn it, John McCain is no quitter. I mean, this is essentially what the man is saying, and this and he said these these types of things before, and this was echoed by uh, General Mathis and Rex Tillerson in recent comments that they said, again, fighting against the restrictions on the authorization for the use of military force, which is unilaterally the president can pretty much send people anywhere across the globe. This is coming to a head now because of the incident in Niger, when we got people that got killed in an ambush. And all of America woke up and pretty much, I think, in unison said to themselves, what the fuck are we doing in Niger? Why would we ever go there? The answer to that question is very simple. We're there because the United States considers the war on terror to be basically an open invitation from any nation, whether or not they know it, but to any nation that basically says, hey, come on in, no need to wipe your feet, come kill people in our country. <laughs> Just please, you know, and, and when, while you're here, maybe, uh, maybe feed the dog, let the cats out, clean the litter box. Because that's what's going on. We're in all of these different countries, yet there's no transparency about it. There's no transparency under Obama. There's no transparency under Bush. There's no transparency under Clinton. And there's no transparency under Donald Trump. In fact, there's even less transparency under Donald Trump. Every president that comes into office makes the same promise to us that they're going to open it up. I'm going to open the kimono and let you guys know what we're doing. Now, I understand that sometimes there's a need for secrecy. Obviously, I don't want our troops to be ambushed all over the place whether or not they should or shouldn't be there. But at the same time, it is a very convenient excuse to not tell anybody anything. And that includes Congress. That includes the American people. And yeah, we're all paying for this massive war state. Between us and between selling arms to the Saudi Arabians, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later, we've got this entire machine, which is just perpetuating itself. And that's where we come back to John McCain. John McCain lives in this echo chamber wherein it makes complete and total sense to continue to do all of these missions overseas, to continue to assassinate people, to blow up different towns and various spots all over the world, which I'm sure is doing nothing to help relations between the United States and those regions, and then argue that it's all for our safety. As if creating enemies, actively creating enemies, would somehow make us safer here at home. But that's the John McCain way. That is the echo chamber of thought that John McCain lives in. And so many of these other neocons do live in it. The John Boltons of the world live in this echo chamber. A domestic example would be Jeff Sessions. I mean, Jeff Sessions is ignoring every shred of evidence about 
what the drug war actually does, what it accomplishes, which is nothing, and what it hurts, which is everything. Putting entire generations of people in jail for nonviolent crimes. Hurting business, hurting the economy. Look at prohibition. Look what happens when you, as soon as you put something and prohibit its use, all that happens is crime rises up. And isn't that supposed to be what he's, I mean, isn't that his job? Are you supposed to be heading up the Justice Department? Are you supposed to be fighting crime in the best way possible? And if it's eliminating a prohibition that's actually going to stop crime from being involved, stop people from murdering each other in the streets, that's going to stop people from being arrested and keeping the this industrial prison complex we have going, shouldn't you do that? Shouldn't you be actively looking for every possible source of information out there? But no, Jeff Sessions lives in his own echo chamber, and he is continuing to perpetuate a war upon us here domestically. He has the authorization for the use of domestic force. And really, we should start using that phrase. We need to talk about removing the authorization for unilateral domestic force, because that's being used against us all the time, especially with the militarization of the police departments. So Jeff Sessions is doing it here, kind of like slurring. Ah, it's been a long day, guys. Long goddamn day. So Jeff Sessions is doing that here. And you've got John McCain, who wants to continue to do it abroad. And again, General Mathis, Rex Tillerson, they want to keep it going as well. They're all on board. They recently said these, these statements fighting against it because there's another cry. Even though Rand Paul's attempt failed. Rand, who was trying to limit it. Rand, who has continued to say... Congress should be deciding where we go to war and when we go to war. You've got the Rex Tillersons and the General Mathises of the world going out there and saying, no, we can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. And X, Y, and Z basically is them saying that people will know where we're at. And that could lead to more ambushes. Now, that, by the way, in my opinion, is horseshit. Because just because you say... Okay, we're going to go declare war officially on ISIS or officially on Afghanistan. Doesn't mean that everybody in Afghanistan suddenly knows everything about your operation. I'm pretty sure the ways wars have been fought throughout time and throughout history pretty much involved people knowing they were being invaded if there was a war declared and then... What happens after that? Well, that's military secrets. If you can't keep that shit a secret, you're pretty terrible at your job. I mean, I don't know how the ambush in Niger happened. But again, I don't know why they were there. If none of us knew why they were there, I highly doubt that this group of militants that ambushed them had a sophisticated enough intelligence collection system to have all the details on those operations or that that operation would have been in, impacted in any way, shape, or form by an official declaration of war being uh, being sanctioned by Congress or a specific military act being sanctioned by Congress. And it's also not like we have even the remotest purview of what these people are actually talking about. Congress could simply have a closed session to vote on it. There's already all of these secret military courts that exist. You're telling me you can't have this happen in a military court or a military hearing where the foreign council or the council of foreign relations can somehow impact this or get the news and vote on it. There's ways around these things that are much more <laughs> logical than giving one man the ability to just say, all right, send the troops over there. We're going to do a huge thing over there. Now send them over there. I mean, I, it's just, it's madness. 
What these people is arguing is smokescreen bullshit to the highest degree. It's just simply they want to keep their toys. They want to be able to send those toys wherever they want. And they don't want the people that are actually elected to oversee this to have any say in what's happening. And McCain, in his echo chamber, his hypocritical echo chamber, will not hear any voice that tells him otherwise. I'm not hear any voice that tells him to change foreign policy and alter the way in which America interacts with people that could possibly be a threat to us. And it's not even the way that, you know, there's <laughs> the world's full of threats. In general, the world is full of endless threats. There's kids outside trick-or-treating right now. Like I said, I'm recording this on Halloween. People worry about their kids biting into a poison piece of candy. That threat is, by the way, a bit debunked. <laughs> One instance ever. And as a guy who poisoned his own kid. Most things happen because people are driving drunk on Halloween or they can't see children in the streets because of their costumes and the kids aren't paying attention. There's threats everywhere. What's the best way to handle that threat? Well, that's always the question. And John McCain has 100% certainty within his echo chamber that the way that we're going to handle all threats to America involve bombing the living fuck out of them. And never mind if it actually makes the threat worse afterwards or perpetuates all sorts of little sleeper threats as we've seen happen on a continued basis. Just is ridiculous. All right, moving on to the next topic. Nice, easy segue here because I mentioned Saudi Arabia earlier, uh, just talking about Yemen, how the U.S. is basically... So the U.S., as I'm sure most of you know, is essentially providing Saudi Arabia with all of the military equipment, uh, intelligence, background they need to fight this atrocious war in Yemen, which to me, honestly, just seems like one long, continued war crime. Like, it is reaching almost genocidal proportions over there. These people, it's like, it's kind of like, in a way, it reminds me of Israel versus Pakistan, you know, where it's like, or Israel versus the uh, the Gaza Strip, where you've got people that are armed to the teeth with way, way more resources, vast amounts of money, the highest technology and military you could get both in the air and on the ground. And they're fighting against people that are basically like hucking rocks at them. That's what's going on in Yemen. And the U.S. continues to support these efforts because Saudi Arabia is our friend. You know, we have to continue to support Saudi Arabia. This, this monarchy, this dicta- dictatorial monarchy, which continues to put gays to death, beheads gays, continues to oppress women, continues to allow atrocities to happen to women. I mean, Saudi Arabia, just for the first time, I believe it was agreed to let women into soccer matches. And for the first time, agreed that women can drive cars. This is our great ally in the region. That we continue to supply with high-grade military weaponry and monetary support. And Donald Trump goes over and touches the giant glowing orb of uh, Zenu or wherever the hell it was. And gets a nice medal from the uh, Saudi Arabian king. So that's, that's what's going on. And in the meantime... We all remember that most of the terrorists that bombed us and drove their planes into the World Trade Towers were from Saudi Arabia. We all remember that Saudi Arabia is continuously linked with funding terrorist organizations that are strongly radical Islam. 
Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because Saudi Arabia just recently announced that they will be extracting their own uranium for what they claim is peaceful power-generating purposes. Now, (laughs) I have not seen anything about the official U.S. reaction to this yet. I'm sure it'll probably be something along the lines of, well, they're our friends, so that's totally cool. Even though the United States has fought tooth and nail against Iraq uh, and Iran, developing any sort of nuclear weapons, Iran, obviously, uh, paramount, fighting against them, even having a power system running on nuclear power. Because, you know, you can obviously take that and enrich it, and bingo, bango, you got a nuclear weapon. But when it comes to Saudi Arabia, who we give weapons to and money to, uh, that we that we are supporting in this horrible war, while knowing they support terrorism, I'm very eager to see if the United States says anything or not. Now, in my opinion, they're a sovereign nation. They should be able to extract uranium for whatever goddamn purpose they want. But it just would be, <laughs> again, the height of hypocritical thought to object to anybody else having it and meanwhile say, well, because we like you better, we're going to allow you to extract uranium, which then who knows what's going to happen with it? Who knows if that uranium is going to go off to Hamas? Who knows if it's going to go off to any of the other brotherhood organizations that Saudi Arabia supports in different ways to undermine Israel or to undermine uh, general thought that's not Muslim throughout the entire region? Basically, I would be very surprised if the United States doesn't play like the monkey You know, the three monkeys, hear no evil, speak no evil, say no evil in regards to Saudi Arabia and this whole thing, even though it probably presents a bigger threat to us than Iran does, considering the fact that we still really haven't been impacted by anything coming out of Iran, who doesn't even have a goddamn air force. But uh, Saudi Arabia and the terrorists that came from that country, I seem to remember a fairly large incident. Let's take a quick commercial break and I'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com and you can hear me talk about the ideas of liberty, rock and roll. All right, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode 44. Again, you can find all of the show notes for this program at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL44. Not going to lie to you, this is the third time I'm recording this segment because I simply cannot stop tripping over my own goddamn words and I'm about ready to throw myself off a bridge. So here we go. Let's see if we can get it out this time. Okay, Federal Reserve Chairman. Looks like it's going to be a guy named Jerome Powell. So he's a guy nobody is going to take kindly to in the libertarian circles. And let me tell you why. 
In the articles I've been reading, it's referred to, uh, excuse me, Jerome is referred to as having a pedigree, a Republican pedigree, that is, in the Federal Reserve. He has sat on the Board of Governors for the Federal Reserve since 2012 and has been a huge supporter of Ben Bernanke and Janet Yellen. Now, what does that mean? Well, he is all for quantitative easing. Even though we have seen from the actual evidence that's come out in the past couple of months that quantitative easing has not helped anyone, has not boosted the economy in any way, shape, or form, and basically only aided in the boosting of the bottom line of the giant financial institutions. He also is a supporter of the Fed having complete control over the monetary system, free reign, if you will, no rules approach to how they manipulate the money supply. He is a fan of the zero interest rates. He's a fan of low interest rates. So this means we're going to get just as many bubbles at these same artificially low interest rates as we did under Benaki and Yellen under Jerome Powell, which is funny because Trump campaigned against this kind of thing when he was on the campaign trail, but now is probably likely going to keep that going, not only so that he has more stability during his presidency, again, kick the can down the road thinking, but also so that he can crow about it and crow about how Wall Street's doing so well, how all this money is flowing in and out, people are buying and lending, and, uh, and, how, and home ownership is going up and all of that horse shit that we know is happy talk for now and everybody paying the price later. Another thing that you're not going to get with Jerome Powell, you're not going to get the Fed audited. He was very, very outspoken in criticizing Rand Paul and saying that we should not be auditing the Fed, that the Fed should have its own uh, uh, autonomous nature outside of your government control. So that ain't going to happen. And really, the only positive that this guy brings to the table uh, that I can see right now from the little bit of research I've done is that he might actually pull back some of the regulations. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to go on a tear because, again, this guy is just somebody that essentially wants to keep the course but we may see a lot of those regulations on the banks stay, uh, stay off. We might see even more get pulled back moving forward. So that's a good thing. However, when paired with the same Federal Reserve that's been kicking our ass, causing inflation and, uh, and making these ridiculously low interest rates, causing the bubbles and causing all the strife that we've seen happen, we're basically in for another long haul. So that's the quick take on the appointment from Trump for the Federal Reserve chairman. Uh, nothing there to like. I'm just going to keep moving on because <laughs> otherwise I'm going to go crazy. So next thing I want to talk about, let's talk about the Democratic National Committee and their involvement in the Steele dossier. Because as of right now, the latest reports I've read are saying that the DNC had in fact paid for much, if not all, of that dossier. The initial report that came out said the Republicans had initiated it, again, working with Fusion GPS, and Fusion, in turn, had worked with somebody named Michael Steele, who was a former British spy. A law firm that the DNC had contracted with is responsible for hiring Fusion and for continuing to have this investigation ongoing to create this dossier, which, if you don't know anything about it, is allegedly from sources high up within the Russian ministry, talking to different officials that then relayed information, including the statement that Donald Trump got peed on by hookers. Now, as of right now, there is actual proof of this happening. The Democrats have not denied it, which was a little surprising to me. But I, again, if the proof is there and it seems to be very black and white, I don't see what they can really say about it. But 
what is interesting to me is the statement that they had issued. And it went straight to the Washington Post, just again proving that the Washington Post is a complete piece of trash and is essentially just a mouthpiece for the Democrats and uh, possibly even the CIA. But here's the statement that they issued because I just have to read it to you. It's the most ridiculous, most just kind of shell game, look at my, you know, don't look at the hand, don't look at the hand thing I've ever seen. Here's what it is. The DNC split hairs by saying, quote, Tom Perez and the new leadership of the DNC were not involved in any decision-making regarding Fusion GPS, nor were they aware that Perkins Coy, which is the law firm, was working with the organization. But let's be clear, there is a serious federal investigation into the Trump campaign's ties to Russia and the American public deserves to know what happened. So <laughs> let's be clear. There's a serious investigation into the Trump campaign's ties to Russia, which as of now, I have seen far less proof of. In fact, I've seen no proof of compared to the actual black and white monetary trail and now admitting or admittance by the DNC that they were involved, that their law firm hired Fusion GPS. So essentially they're like, okay, while we acknowledge that this happened, it didn't happen under this guy. It happened under that person, you know, that filthy Wasserman Schultz woman. And, you know, none of us know. Now, nobody here can be blamed for her actions. We, we just all were doing our own thing. Jim was in the bathroom. I was in traffic. I don't know when this happened. But just know there's a very serious thing that Trump's doing over there. Just look over there for a second and then, then they run away. That was basically what the Democrats just did here. And the fact that more people aren't really hammering them on this just shows you how completely biased the media is. Meanwhile, this Manafort story, which, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, has nothing to do with Donald Trump in any way, shape, or form, is getting covered out the wazoo. I mean, Manafort, apparently, he had he's being arrested for something completely different. His indictment is for something completely separate, where he had worked with a uh, with the Ukraine basically as a lobbyist trying to lobby the U.S. government to give Ukraine X, Y, and Z benefits or to accept X, Y, and Z from them. General lobbying bullshit. Nothing to do with Trump. It happened in 2016. <laughs> so I don't understand how you can just completely ignore a massive story on the topic that had dominated a year's worth of media coverage about Trump and collusion with Russia about this steel dossier. And then when you find out that the Democrats had paid for the dossier, that it's still completely unconfirmed. And that, and by the way, Fusion GPS tried desperately to hide where the money came from because they knew this was going to happen. I just love it. All this comes out and immediately people just turn around and they go, no, no, no. But this Manafort thing that happened in 2016 in a completely unrelated charge. Ah, there's something there. <laughs> it doesn't matter if there's actual proof on the uh, on the Democrat side. We got to keep talking about hyperbole and uh, and keep making a mountain out of a molehill, molehill, and building building all these different arguments that are based in absolutely nothing to keep talking about Trump and Russia. I just think it's crazy. And meanwhile, Mueller keeps going down the avenues. I mean, Tony Podesta uh, had to resign from his company of the Podesta Group which is fantastic because he is tied in with John Podesta, who of course is Hillary's campaign manager. So I, I'm just, I'm fascinated at the developments here 
And I'm really interested to see where it's going to lead. I still think Mueller's got it out for Trump. Uh, I'm very curious to see if Trump does, in fact, try to make any move to take him out of power. Or maybe it's a race to the finish. We'll see if Trump gets impeached first or or Trump gets rid of Mueller first. I just don't know at this point. But it certainly is fantastic theater. I'll tell you that. Okay, I got to finish this up. And uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the terror attack that happened today. Of course, I'm recording this yesterday for you people. But uh, in Manhattan, wherein a man drove a van into an ongoing bike lane, pedestrian bike lane, and killed some eight people at last report. And I'd read the first report I read said that he had hit them with a hit them with the van and then jumped out, yelled Allah Akbar. And then started shooting people. However, that has later been clarified. He did not actually have a gun. He had a paintball gun and a pellet gun. But the damage, of course, is done via this attack with a van, similar to attacks that we've seen all over Europe. Now, what's going to happen here is we're going to see a thousand people calling for, number one, uh, increased Regulation increased surveillance of people that are involved with uh, with Muslims and Islam, just as Trump promised coming into the office, saying that he was going to crack down and, and track these people, which hopefully is just bluster. But you're going to see people talking about that. You're going to see some people read the first headline and say, oh, we've got to crack down on guns. But more than anything, you're just going to see a lot of people having no idea what to do about this. And even those that say they know what to do about it still have no idea what to do about it. Because really, when it comes down to an attack like this, and this is why these attacks are going to become more popular, they're small-scale attacks, but they terrify people far more ably than the big ones. Because people just say, okay, well, now anywhere I go, I could be gotten. Because of these madmen. But the thing to remember is that there's nothing that can be done about anyone who wants to murder people for any reason whatsoever in this type of manner. Sure, this one guy happened to yell Allah Akbar. But you know what? There's plenty of examples of people just doing this for other reasons completely. Maybe they're just depressed. Maybe they're just suicidal. They want to take other people out with them. Maybe they're just angry people. There is nothing you can do from a policing standpoint, from a military standpoint, other than if you're literally going to be going to adopt a police state, and put military on every single corner like they do in China or like they do in uh, in any number of the other, probably probably the Philippines by now, I'm sure. But unless you want to adopt that kind of state, I don't see how you're possibly going to stop this. And even in that state, you're in a van. Okay, if there's a cop on every corner with a machine gun, if your only concern is mowing people down and you're not concerned about your own life, how are you going to stop that? To bring this all full circle, what we need to stop is the John McCain's of the world. What we need to stop is the military mindset that causes the radicalization of people across the seas, which then bleeds its way over here through social media or through a direct, I mean, I guess there's got to be direct conduits by family or friends, people that have come here that have had people blow up back home. I mean, we're seeing a Syrian refugee uh, over in, I think it was England, France had just attacked some people. We're seeing it here with this guy. And again, I don't know that at this point, I don't know what nationality this guy was. I don't know if he is a white guy who was 
turned online. I don't know if he's just saying Allah Akbar because he's a dickhead and he actually doesn't believe in it, but he wants to false flag Muslims. This is also very possible. But the point is, there's nothing we can do as a nation. There's no state of policing or state of awareness that we can get into that's going to stop these type of things from happening. What has to happen is we have to stop taking all these crazy military actions overseas to stop people from viewing us as the enemy. And once that ceases, we're all going to feel a hell of a lot more safe. And one thing that we cannot allow is for politicians to take this and use it as an excuse to squash our freedoms even farther. Because let's not forget, there is an ongoing debate right now as to whether or not the spying programs, the domestic spying apparatus should stay into place, or if those specific sections of the Patriot Act, well, not even the Patriot Act anymore, but if those specific sections that permitted programs like PRISM, which is what Edward Snowden exposed, to expire, we no longer have to concern ourselves at least partially with the government spying on us, with the government going after all of our cell phone records, all of our telephone records, all of our text messages, all of our emails. Because this is a perfect scenario in which they will argue that that is necessary because they will use your fear against you. They will use this example saying, what is to be done? Nobody could have done anything about this. But if we're allowed to spy on all of your electronic communications, if we're allowed to see all of your Facebook messages, if we're allowed to read all of your emails, maybe we would have stopped it. Even though, as we saw, and as was admitted to a congressional hearing by the general that was heading all of this up, that there were absolutely zero terror plots foiled from this, they will still tell you that we have to keep them in place because you never know, and this is our best guess way that we would stop something like this happening again. Don't fall for it. So I'm going to wrap on that thought for this episode and wish you all a wonderful Halloween. Hopefully you're all happy and safe and full of candy. Speaking of which, I hope you enjoyed our Monday show, which was our Halloween special. We always love doing those. That, of course, was on uh, usually Mark and his in-depth interviews on Liberty Takes Place on Monday. We've got John Odermatt with Felony Fridays every Friday. And, of course, I'm here on Wednesdays struggling to keep my life together and get this uh, podcast out for you. I swear, guys, this is like this is probably the hardest podcast I've ever had to record, and I'm not sure why. Like, I sometimes just can't think. And tonight, I could not think. So... Eh, maybe this made sense. Maybe it didn't. I definitely was not on my game today. So I apologize for that. Uh, and I will try to make it up to you in some way, shape, or form. Like I said, I'm still trying to do a longer podcast for you guys. This is, again, a little bit shorter. But <laughs> when you record for an hour and a half and you get a half-hour podcast out of it, you know what? You just got to say, time to pack it in. Time to hit the old dusty trail. So from me, Brian McWilliams, here at Electric Liberty Land, Always stay plugged in to liberty.